Hey, I'm Danny Brown. And we are biracial and unicorns. We just want to talk. Yeah, we just want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so I think in lieu of, of our little check in here, I think we kind of just dive in. We have spent the past week, it is Saturday now, this episode will drop on Tuesday, but we've spent the past week kind of hemming and hawing about what we want to do in response to this latest string of mass shootings here in the U.S., we both felt very strongly like we needed to to say something as biracial unicorns and we talked about it and then we weren't really sure where to go or what to say or how to process things. So we decided instead of just posting something on social media, we would do this. Yeah, um, for two overthinkers, um, proud <laughs> ones, it was probably the thing that made the most sense because there's no way you can put in a post how how you feel and i think for several reasons one because it is a really good platform and as always our desire is to encourage people to have conversations but also something i think we both still very feel very strongly about is people's mental health and we are very full aware that many people are still struggling to process and to be able to put um words to their own feeling, hurt, um, anger, and just encouraging and trying to create a space to where hopefully we can help you through that. Every time this happens, it's <sighs> jarring and upsetting and feels difficult to deal with because it's so commonplace, even though I know like the numbers aren't really like it's happening constantly, though gun violence is definitely happening constantly. But I think for myself personally, in particular, the El Paso shooting from last weekend was particularly disturbing. The racism, uh, the white supremacy involved in it um, was very disturbing to me. Uh, The fact that it happened just four hours from where I live is very disturbing to me. People who, because they look like me, were being shot is very disturbing. The fact that the shooter himself drove, you know, whatever it is, 10 hours from Dallas to El Paso for it to happen when Albuquerque is also just 10 hours from Dallas is very disturbing to me. So I think that in particular hit me very, very hard. And I was having a a hard day on a personal level that day. Mm. So it was just like too much to process, I think, and has continued to be something that I can't talk about without getting all misty-eyed. So I, I I think that all the shootings are upsetting, all mass shootings are upsetting, but I think this is the first one that has hit me so viscerally, mm-hmm. I think. It's, um, it's like, you know, sorry, speaking of getting misty-eyed, it's 
one of those things where it keeps getting, because you know people in El Paso, right? I mean, it's the Southwest. As big as and vast as it yeah. is, it's still, <laughs> it's still a very close, yeah. tight-knit group of people. Everyone goes to Colorado, Arizona, Texas. Like, that's kind of, for the most part, we all kind of spread out to. And when you're viciously checking your Facebook to make sure people you know in that area are safe and being so far away is um, mm-hmm. is still not something I'm ever going to get used to because that's always going to be your home. And it was actually one of those things where when you were younger living in Albuquerque, because, you know, living in the Southwest, I always tell people who are not familiar, it is very much the Wild West out there still in, in some, in yeah. some you know, and especially when it comes to guns, you know, it is, it's very yeah. much a state, I believe, that is gun proud. <laughs> there are a lot of guns here. Of guns. I personally know so many people who yeah. own guns and who own multiple guns big multiple guns um and it's for a range of of a lot of things you know we have a lot of people who are hunters believe it or not there's a lot of good hunting there on people who live far out in the country and you legitimately need a massive gun if you live out far in the country people literally i mean this is people's real lives they're like yep we got bears in these parts that that's legitimate my father i'm a police officer i grew up with guns in the house my father would wear a gun so it wasn't a thing of, and of course, you know, we went to a school. Unfortunately, there there was gang activity. I, I remember my husband and I first started dating. There was a drive-by right by a Walmart. I was in my car when it happened, and I'm like, I better call him because he knows that I'm here, and I don't want him to um, be frightened. Like, it's, th- th- it's not something, once again, of this innate disdain and overall fear of guns, but it, it it's what you're saying. It's the deeper implication. and. I think honestly, when I was trying to process it, is I, I'm, I'm just angry now, because I'm angry because I don't understand, you know what I mean? It's like when a kid tries to figure out a puzzle and they're not getting it, so they just like tear it up into pieces and they're just getting frustrated. Like that's where I am because I'm just not, I'm just not understanding how this is still happening. Yeah, and I I've seen a lot of things in the past week, particularly talking about incidents of mass shootings dating back to to the early '80s, and I, I guess that's when they started collecting all the data. So it's like the point that a lot of these articles and things are are linking back to is in the early '80s. I feel like. For us, perhaps, and maybe it's different for for other people who are older or younger than us. But I, I think the point of like modern mass shootings, or the the biggest like focal point for me is is Columbine. Mm-hmm. Since it happened, we were in eighth grade uh, when Columbine happened, and I think it's interesting that you're you're you know, pointing out social media and all this, because I definitely had an internet friend at the time who was a ninth grader, um, and she didn't go to Columbine High School. She went to a different high school there, but I remember the fear and the constant like sending her emails to see like what was going on after that happened and not hearing from her for you know like a week or something because she was a 14 year old girl whose city had just undergone such a tragedy and definitely was not on the internet during that time that too has become 
just a, a normal thing, right? Like we check in with these people and we wait and I don't know, it's so weird. It is because And that was so long ago. It was. Already. It really was. I mean, even now, actually, I remember the distinct moment where we had that difference between high school middle school and high school. Because of course, you know, there's kids, you know, who are much older than you and they can drive, there's facial hair, and you're these this tiny 14 year old and you know you're still changing classes and you know especially in those first few weeks they're being quite easy on you but the Mm. biggest thing I remember was that happening our eighth grade year the going into our freshman year was having the drills that we would have to start having now and I remember the look on Mm. our teacher's face of having to turn our lights off and getting away from the windows and having to be quiet Um, I remember one time being in the hallway and having a teacher snatch me. I was using the, I was going to use the restroom and a drill started and they just grabbed me into it and had to like practice. And these little teach, which now it's funny because now I'm, we're, we're the age of a teacher that, you know, a teacher can be teaching for a while. Like we're, but looking at these like right. young teacher's aides, like realizing that what they've gotten themselves into. They were, they were so, so young. crazy yeah. young and having to be responsible, even in a drill of how tense it would be. And I remember for the rest of the day, it would just be gray. Even though it was a drill, I would yeah. always remember, like, yeah. and it would be very clear that it was a drill. I would remember it would just suck the air and the energy out of our school, which looking back on it now, our school was, you know, quite large. And just everyone would just be in a mood for the rest of the day. Right. Albuquerque isn't far from Littleton, mm-hmm. but I feel like that wasn't, limited to the Southwest. I wouldn't be surprised to hear that those sorts of things started happening all across the country Mm -hmm. at that time. I also found it a weird thing because I was, you know, I was a weird girl. Mm. (laughs) I was, you know, like I I was one of the like weird girls, the like freaks or whatever that people would call us. So I think after that happened, people also started looking at me and my friends differently Mm. because of the, you know, trench coat mafia or whatever. It was a very strange, strange shift. But I don't want to get too caught up in in the politics of of school shootings because as tragic and terrible as they are, I do kind of want to focus on what's happening right now with these three most recent things. It's not it's not just one place right like we have to be scared to go anywhere like fucking garlic festival like a garlic Mm -hmm. festival walmart i there's like it's there nowhere like churches schools these these things happen everywhere I, i think i think this is it i think that i think that's the thing like people finally saying oh you know i'm just gonna avoid crowded areas I'm not going to go to tourist spots. I'm not going to go to here. Does that make sense? Like there used to be like, if you do these things, your probability of being in a mass shooting is going to decline, especially for adults. Nonetheless, let's children because children by law have to go to school, but us as adults, you know, you know, if we, if we do all this checklist, we're probably going to be in the clear. But now, like you said, garlic festivals and Walmart, like having, I know they just had something going on at Walmart about their first like open shooting training course happening at Walmart now. 
Let me just tell you something. Walmart employees literally do not get paid enough to help you out. Just just letting you know. Like, I am ch- shocked. I am shocked to see that correlation between, you know, like you said, we were coming up in eighth and ninth grade to now being 30 plus and, 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 and seeing the escalation. It's, it's, yeah, it is terrifying for someone who's overseas and I'm about to come back home in the next year. And I'm not going to lie. I am terrified. I should not be terrified to go home. And that's exactly what I feel like. Right. I don't like being a fearful person, but I am terrified to go home. It's hard to talk about, too, because of the sensationalism that goes along with talking about these these huge tragic mm-hmm. events. And part of me wants to be like, but they aren't happening constantly. But then like fucking three happen in a 24 hour span. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, they aren't happening constantly, but they're happening quite often and i guess like how often would they have like (laughs) once once is like too often girl that's why i'm like how often do they need to happen for it to be like too often now it's but but that's what we've come to it's it's it's, i feel like our lives have become a horrific dark comedy um to where we have to have these conversations of like well you know it's not like all the time or like all the Walmarts, you know, it's it's the only way we can learn to survive. And I think the other reason why it's hard to have these conversations is because they do invoke such a strong emotion. And I think sometimes people, oh, this this is everybody, are we, when we are emotional, we do not tend to express ourselves well. And I think that's what we see every single mm. time. Something like this happens. Within 24 hours, we start seeing a spark of all the people who want to toss their ideas, you know, their, their, their hats into the rings of why this is happening and who to point fingers to and demanding, which, yes, action needs to be taken place. But in my little humble opinion, it is never in a productive slash respectful way. And I think it's making people not want to talk about it openly at all now because people are tired. I don't know. I don't know if you have feelings about that, but I'm seeing people speaking out less and less after one of these mass shootings happen. Are you talking about individuals, public individuals? Are you talking about like people, any people via social media? Or do you mean like just individuals in person? Or do you mean yes, all of these things? Specifically, I think a social media thread lines and also uh, public figures. I feel like public figures, it's, it's, it's not funny, but the, even the amount of characters people use in order to respond to these events are starting to get shorter because they have to write it so often now um Mm. even like politicians and things of that nature i'm seeing like the messages tend are getting a bit shorter because they got to save it up for the next one and then also even threads online of people trying to have conversations back and forth of how are we feeling what can we do what's going on it's just turning into second amendment right versus gun control versus mental illness versus it, it turns into who, who's more right as opposed to what are we going to do moving forward? That's like 
everything is who's mm-hmm. more right. I feel like now it's just always an argument. Who can be more right? Who can be more passionate? Who can like show that they're more hurt by this? I, ugh, 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 mm. ugh. There's so much posturing and so much little like real truthful expression. Like it may be, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like there's a lot of posturing and I'm not talking just about public mm. figures, but I'm talking about individuals on social media too. Like I see so many people who post like how sad it is or whatever, or, you know, like there's, there's the camp of thoughts and prayers. And then there's all the fucking people who are like, oh my God, thoughts and prayers are not enough. And like, that's it. Like they're not offering anything real or any real discussion they're just posting like a meme and then they move on Mm -hmm. with their lives and i just i'm like just don't even fucking post anything yeah like i don't like i would rather you just not post anything than this fucking false posturing of pretending to care about something i do there i believe some people actually legitimately do care but then it just stops there and i think that's the part i'm getting frustrated at it's just okay we have we've done sadness now and we have done the meme thing now because honestly, I just don't think people even know what to say, but they still feel the need to say something. That is a whole other mental. Yeah. There needs to be a name for that. Like, even though you don't know what to say, you still feel the need to post something anyway. Like the average human being, your followers right. in quotation marks will go on. Your aunt Nancy does not need to know how you feel about the certain situation. Do you know what I'm saying? But there, there, there's just something yeah. in our mind frame that makes us feel like it. But if we don't, people will think that I do not care. But let me tell you something. I really don't care anyway. But I, I think the thing is, what are we doing? And I have to ask this to myself as well. Like, what information are we putting out there? What point are we mm. bringing? What else are you bringing to the table that hasn't already been said? Even for the people said thoughts and prayers and they're not enough. On both camps, I'm just like, you, you guys are both getting on my last damn nerve. I'm just to that point to where I don't I don't know what America is doing and I I, yeah. I really really don't because you're seeing all these issues and you're seeing all these camps and when we were talking about this episode and we had this conversation and I think we were both just trying to get like things off of our chest and what's going on here we we brought up like what is the heart of the issue and we're saying, is it gun control? Is it mental health issue? Is it rage? Is it race? And I was putting like in for our notes for this. I was like, spoiler, the answer is yes. And I think that is part of my own personal frustration is that instead of trying to figure out who's more right and being the most caring, compassionate person, we look at it and say, yes, America actually has several systemic problems. Let's let's put them all out. Do you know what I mean? We're all trying to say, look, look, my fire is bigger than your fire. Let's put out this one fire while everything else is going up in flames. Like we have multiple fires going on that all need to be addressed. Yeah, I mean, obviously. (laughs) But I feel like those four things are a good place to start talking about this problem, these issues, and lots of other problems and issues. So I don't know. I kind of just want to go through those mm-hmm. four things a little bit, and then maybe we can we can go mm-hmm. from there. The first one being gun yes. control. 
thoughts about about gun control. Um, like you said, we, we're from a state with a mm-hmm. lot of guns. We know a lot of people Girl. who have guns. <laughs> I personally am, am not about guns. I don't own any guns in my house, and I feel very strongly about not having guns mm-hmm. in my house. But I also am not, I would prefer a country with no guns, but I'm also not a person out there advocating for taking people's guns away necessarily. But I, I think there's, you know, the, a lot of people who who are so fixated mm-hmm. on this idea of having a gun and cutting down on regulations that they can't they can't even like have a conversation they can't even fathom their first reaction to something like this is like oh don't take my guns i need my guns or i saw online a friend of a friend posted something about well walmart doesn't allow open carry in their stores if they had allowed open carry this wouldn't have happened girl you are you have hit <laughs> my button on that i i can't deal with that whole issue of we Me need our neither. guns to protect ourselves but if you're looking at the last 10 mass shootings where the guns at mm. where they at especially what was it we we both watched a video by uh, Trevor Noah his reaction to actually a tweet that went out about mass shootings but their response talking about like yeah. it, it, this is Texas El Paso then love them guns where they at I don't care what they say about people say you can't have open carry in many, many places. I literally do not want to hear that about and But I think that you completely hit the nail on the head as far as having that conversation, because you're right. It is that knee jerk reflex, like reflex of when one of these things happen, you can't take my guns. And I feel like that knee-jerk reaction is happening quicker and quicker. Mm-hmm. Like, it's becoming more and more of a knee-jerk mm-hmm. reaction. Like, it used to be something that everyone would be sad, and then that would start yeah. coming out. Now it's immediately. Mm-hmm. Yes. So much of that. I just don't understand. We, <laughs> we cannot hide behind the Constitution anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't get to have right. selective. The Constitution is there to protect yeah, exactly. us. Right? You don't get to have selective patriotism. That's what I feel like this is, is selective patriotism. What is more American than making a unified sacrifice for the greater good? Do you know what I mean? I just don't understand. Like, people think I'm coming after their Second Amendment rights. I- I'm not. I am not literally, I'm not trying to tell you not to have guns. I'm telling you, we do not need bazookas. We don't, need, I mean, I'm over exaggerating, but we, we, we don't need semi-automatic weapons. What, please, we don't need that. Like, unless mountain lions are becoming, you know, sentient beings and going to be out there ripping up a gang, we don't need that. I just don't under, I just don't understand You know, we look at the history of America, especially for those who tend to be more on the conservative side, who tend to be more of the people who want to go towards Second Amendment, bearing arms rights. We have a history as America of being able to sacrifice greatly for our country in times of a massive need from the Great Depression to World War II. We have given up our simple luxuries of butter and sugar. We've given up, you know, going on rations for fuel and nylon. Like we have buckled down 
for the safety of our people and for the safety of others. And by all definitions, we are at war within ourselves. We are at a grievous armed conflict with one another. And so what do we do when we're at time of great defense and war? We buckle down and we sacrifice in order to survive, but not this, but not our guns. Not to save shoppers at Walmart and not to save children at school and not to save foodies at a garlic festival. No. We have a history of giving up all these other things in times of great need, but but not our guts. I Please explain that to me like I'm five. I'm not understanding. There tends to be an argument of, you know, mass murders are going to happen anyway. Oh. But that doesn't change the fact that more than three quarters of mass murders in the U.S. are firearms so yes perhaps they're gonna happen anyway like you hear about these crazy stabbing sprees people go on in other countries but also like we just have such a problem with with guns in this country that isn't to say that there aren't responsible gun oh, owners totally. like yeah there I, are yeah there are certainly otherwise we would have a lot more <laughs> like, but i but i just like I don't know. I just feel I just want people to stop and think and talk about it instead of just throwing up this defensive like don't take my guns away. And then like the other side as well, I guess, of of people being like, "Oh, you have guns." And then mm-hmm. like any sort of like conversation. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean gun control is part of it mm-hmm. for sure. But this latest round in particular, there's been a lot of talk about mental Mm -hmm. health. Girl, let's talk about it. (laughs) Thoughts, Danny? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, okay. So first Mm -hmm. of all, my my first thought is, are there people committing these mass murders who have mental illness? Yes. But I think a lot of the framing has been entirely unhelpful. Instead of like using it as a way we should destigmatize mental illness and like make mental health a priority for our populace, instead it makes it sound like anyone with mental illness is crazy, crazy people kill people. Uh-huh. And so like it's just stigmatizing it further for one. And for two, there was a study that I read that talked about how 15% of people with schizophrenia have committed violent Mm crimes. 15%. As opposed to 4% of the general population. So are you more likely to commit a violent crime if you have schizophrenia? Yes. But the majority of people with schizophrenia are not committing violent crimes. Like it's still only 15%. That's only 15%. That is such a small percentage when we're talking about the whole, Mm -hmm. right? Like, so I don't, I don't like the way things are being framed that stigmatize the mentally ill. And then ultimately, I feel like is reducing their incentive to seek treatment because they don't want the stigma attached to them and and then things we all know, like till illness is one of those things that gets worse when it's not treated, uh-huh. just like any illness. So I just I I don't think it's a helpful way to talk about about these these shooters. I agree. And I think particularly with the last handful that we have had is that 
you even talked about the small percentage of those who are mentally ill committing violent crimes. Within the percentage of violent crimes, how many of those are race-driven? You know, even you know, even to mm. dissect that even smaller of how much is going to be racially driven. I am, I kind of messaged you before. There has been this argument, which I'm, I'm kind of, I might be camping out and it's like, you don't get to brush racism underneath the rug of mental illness. Cause once again, that right. is also not being very helpful as well, because I think what it's doing is actually taking the focus off of where it really should be. I think we're really trying to shine um, a light on those who are mentally ill and be able to encourage one another to have open, honest conversations about it. But they're, <laughs> they, I think they're just using this as a ploy, really. I mean, we, we, you know, we're going to talk about race in just a, a moment, but how dare they? How dare they already take a marginalized group that is already suffering and put it on blast like that? It, it feels right? transparent. Does that make sense? It feels like a reach. You know what I mean? Have you ever watched those really super like cheesy law shows where they have like this, you know, defense attorney that's able to like, they don't care if their client's innocent or guilty and they come up with this like ridiculous scheme and it somehow works. And I feel like that's what it is. They're going to be like, he was mentally ill, your honor. And, and it, but it's destroyed everything about those with actual mental illness. Like it just feels concoct in this, in that. I'm like, yes, was he indeed, but to sit there and basically throw it underneath the bus and everyone with it. It's just, it's painful to watch. There's certainly something wrong with someone who would go out and kill so many people. Mm. Is calling it mental illness a definitive answer as to why? Usually not. Right. Like, I don't I don't. I just it's it's too simplistic. It's not helpful. And I think you're right. There is this tendency to just instead of talk about racism, mm-hmm. which I want to transition to racism now, you just kind of brush it under another another you title. Do. It's right to, underneath the rug, you know, and I do appreciate that the FBI is calling this like domestic terrorism or or I don't think that's the exact phrase but like it's it's finally being talked yes. about as like kind of a terrorist mm-hmm. act even though it was like a white white man it's a shocking change mm-hmm. i think compared to how how these things have been talked about in the past it's like baby steps yeah. right so the fbi since october of last year has made 90 arrests in domestic terrorism cases. And so for their definition, domestic terrorism includes violence by Americans who belong to anti-government militias or white supremacist groups or individuals who ascribe to having those um, similar ideologies mm-hmm. and are not connected to Islamic extremism. So that's that's their definition of domestic terrorism. And within the 850 pending domestic terrorist investigations, 40% involve racially motivated extremism. Mm. So what we're talking about there is is white supremacy. Mm-hmm. 
So that's 40% of these cases that are currently pending through the FBI. So in the past two years, in 2017, 2018, the FBI made more arrests connected to domestic terrorism than to international terrorism. Mm, say it. Right. So, and, and that international terrorism includes like Al-Qaeda and radical Islamic terrorist groups, right? And then any sort of lone wolf recruits. Mm. So all of that is considered international terrorism. So there have been more arrests surrounding white supremacy than Islamic extremists. But that is not the picture that is being painted by our our media, right? Like it's always, there's this right wing focus, but it's not limited to them about like, you know, terrorism being a problem in this country and it being a certain type and very little talk about the problem of white supremacy in this country when it's a huge, a huge mm-hmm. issue. And I feel like these, this recent shooting in El Paso is definitely tied to white supremacy. People are very certain now, like he released a manifesto and all, and all of that, mm-hmm. right? Like people are certain that it's tied to white supremacy and he lists Trump as, you know, a, an influence of his. And like when, you know, the, the shit that's being spewed by this hardcore right white supremacist movement is having real impact in our in our lives Mm, i thought it was video games causing all of this danny oh but i heard that japan does doesn't have video games and that's why it's so safe there japan really (laughs) yeah <laughs> it's what they say. Like white people who don't like who don't know how periods work. Have they never been to Japan? They don't own, like own TVs. Or, you know, they're like, oh, the world that they live in. I wonder what they think Nintendo uh, is. Girl, like, where it's from? Girl, like I just want to live in their world. It must be like is everything made out of marshmallow? No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. Uh, I. This is absolutely. It's one of those things where we talk about. It's a racist, a race issue from start to finish especially particularly with this El El Paso one, this is why it's so multifaceted is that at the root cause of this person mentally ill or not, his outspew of this mental illness was exacerbated, baited on and encouraged by his probably own racist tendencies that I do not think sprung forth his mental illness exacerbated by, Mm. but not, you know, does that make sense? It did not cause us. This is something that was probably already worth within him. And then we're seeing the knee jerk reaction of dealing with a lot of uh, dealing with uh, those who are undocumented immigrants in the Walmart as well in El Paso. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? We have this input of this was a racist act. And now our reaction to the problem is actually also racist. And, but we're mm-hmm. not seeing it. And I'm, I guess in my mind, when we're talking about it, this country is so terrified to talk about our race problem. I don't know when we ever thought we got over it because I never feel like there's ever been a definitive line because here's the thing. When Obama became yeah, president. Exactly. I think I think maybe maybe that's what it is. I think people got relaxed when that happened. They're like, oh, phew. Now, you know, check, tick that box. You know, y'all are emancipated. 
you vote, you have a president now, we're done. Like, it's been our guilt persuaded. Like, we can go on now. I, I, <laughs> I'm struggling, Danny, and the struggle is real of what is our fear of talking about it? Is, are people's, is, are, do people have that much guilt or that much pride um, are, are blinded to it? Because I feel like people are talking about it. The people of color, I should say, are talking about it and trying to put more information and trying to shed light on this, on these issues now more than ever. But I feel like more and more there's more pushback of people saying, no, that that's not the problem. There isn't a race issue. It's only in select pockets. It's only for those who are mentally disturbed. Oh, it's only like the, the, you know, poor, or it's only for the people who are uneducated. It's only this. It's only that. Let me tell you people, well-educated, well-liked, family members, church-going people, next-door neighbor, people you see at the store, people you went to college for and pledged with are flaming, fully aware Mentally healthy racist. I don't know how to put it any more plain. I hate to burst anyone's bubble. But these are facts. And they have connections and they have community and they have an agenda. And it is, it's really, it's really real. And it's closer to you than you think. And that isn't to say like every racist is going to go shoot up someplace. But, but you have to realize that this is the mentality, this is the system in which these people are being raised. It, it's the it's the system in which we're all coming yes. up in, right? And so it has to be addressed and it's not something with a simple fix. None of these no. things are, are anything that has a simple fix. Otherwise, we would have fixed it already. Uh, right? right? Us personally, just last week, I, I mean, hope. I was free. Yeah, like I would have just done it. I, I wasn't fine. busy. You were. We could have done that. It would have been super easy. And it, I know. I, I know me personally. I probably sound incredibly extreme, but I think it's one of those things of desperate trying to wake people up. Of like, I don't think every person is a secret racist. Like, like do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's one of those things of desperately trying to bring awareness to people, and that we talked about this before in past episodes of people simply just not believing you, right. It's all these battles and like that's not a battle we need to have <laughs> that racism is is a huge issue and is causing a lot of other issues. Like that's not a, a battle we need to no. have. That's a it given. should be, right? <laughs> like Yeah, but it's mm, not. It's no. Not. So we talked a lot personally about about this racist component, mm-hmm. but I think we can we can come back around to it. I want to talk briefly about about this idea of rage, mm. right? Like within our society, rage is is a huge problem and part of it is related to to mental health, like we talked about earlier, like people don't know how to process feelings in a healthy way and that has to do with mental health, not even necessarily mental illness. I think most people don't know how to process their emotions right? in a healthy real way, right? So like what happens when you bottle up your emotions, like they're going to be more and more volatile um, until they like spew out in unexpected ways. Uh, And I'm not saying that that's the only cause of these mass shootings, but it definitely contributes, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I I mean, like I said, this one, and maybe I'm just diving in so deeply that I'm just finding stuff I didn't even know existed. 
a lot of response here, people saying of like men not having father figures, um, Hmm. they're not being God around, which even as a Christian, like I just really wish the person saying it wasn't like the worst, do you know? But that, like that sounds awful. I'm like, you know, I'm not disagreeing with you, bro. But can we get like a, a person I actually believe this from? Ugh, I'm the worst. I, I'm the worst for saying that. Do you know, like, there's all, all these things I'm talking about once again of you know not being able to talk about our emotions. None of these things are wrong whatsoever. But they're all kind of focusing around this feeling of not being able to process feeling and things of rage mm-hmm. like they're all they're all kind of circling right. around that without actually just coming out and kind of just saying it and well and i think that that's also related to the fact that most of these mass shootings are committed mm-hmm. by men right in the last since 1982 or whatever it's been like three or four shootings that were done by women or a woman in cahoots with a man so it's like very very predominantly mm-hmm. men And so if you're looking at this idea of not being able to process your emotions, like, well, obviously it would be men because they're told by society that they can't have emotions, Mm -hmm. right? Like that they can't release things in a healthy way. And so I think violence is typically higher amongst men Mm -hmm. than women. Men tend to use violence is an offensive weapon, right? They they use it to show how manly they are and to show someone who's boss, you know, and that's why like, so there's that idea of using it as an offensive way. And then women tend to use violence more as like a last resort, as like a defensive me- measure. So that's why I think we see, we see these violent acts done predominantly by men, because it's, it's just, it's, it's in our society of how how to use and and I can't speak to how much of it is is actually biological because I've I've heard things but I I don't have like the sources to to back it up but men have unequal access to guns mm-hmm. and training and using weapons. What is an acceptability like of a man wielding a exactly. gun? I mean I know women who hunt and like I said they're they're Definitely. amazing responsible gun owners but there's still quite a bit of a, a taboo and a stigma of a woman. Not only mm-hmm. owns them, but enjoys them. Does she know how to work that thing? Are we safe? Yada, yada, yada. It's, um, yeah, yeah, there is, yeah. And there's plenty mm-hmm. of women who know how to use oh, guns. Yeah. And so I'm definitely not saying that it's only men who have guns. But I am saying that there's this, this, this real, real idea that we're telling boys to not process their emotions in a real way. And then we're turning around and telling men that having guns is is cool and powerful and like something that's gonna make them more powerful and more manly so we're like literally handing like these these volatile men guns Mm -hmm. and expecting them to process the world around them and not use a gun well now that this has been happening for so long there's a new generation we talked about in the beginning of it kind of being you know this has been kind of romanticized. It's been glorified now that now we have a younger generation yeah. coming up who's been watching all of this now. Thank you, social media. Right. And now they're saying, oh, look, you know, I'm, I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling oppressed. I am feeling, you know, I, I don't have any power. How can I reclaim my power? How can I be somebody? How can mm. I get revenge? You know, it, it's out there. It's so, like I said, because now we're kind of producing that next 
level of domestic terrorists because they see it now. It's not an oddity anymore. They can see how it's done and they can see that it's possible. Yeah. So what can we do about it? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> like I, I guess that's that's our big our big thing, right? Is like there's so much talk about it and like this idea of thoughts and prayers and then this knee jerk reaction of people who are like, fuck those people who just have thoughts and prayers, like let's change the system, but then like, you know, just make one post on social yeah. media and they move just on. wanna be a jerk to those who are actually trying to be like offer something to the table. But you know, like, yeah. like I, w- I had mentioned before about people saying some several systemic thing about like there there is a massive and there is a massive issue of there being um, a lack of male role models there in order to be there. And I think that does that has psychologically shown to have long lasting effects on the emotional development of young men. And but it's like, how, how do we generally fix that? Does that make sense? Like, I cannot make somebody be a father and i think even trevor noah said something about that like you can't make somebody by law be there and be a role model and i think that's one thing of calling men in our community to really kind of take young men underneath their wings i think we need to have um something more things in place like i said starting from a younger age that really puts more of an emphasis on mental health with young men, I think children in general, but specifically from young men, I think in schools, we tend to take children who have behavioral issues or anger issues, and we tend to put them in special ed, and or we tend to put them in places to where they're separate from people. Well, if we, if we put them with someone and have one-on-one time, which sounds good on paper, if we just have them one-on-one time and kind of work with them and we're going to work through this and try to, you know, work through this anger or just learn how to cope with it instead of saying reintegrate them and make it part of a community thing. Every time I see our people talking about children from a young age dealing with anger, if it's even talked about at all, it's always separating the child instead of realizing how do you do life with these feelings and be able to talk about it openly. I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, I always see it being like, you have to kind of go away from society and deal with it until it can be reintegrated instead of a people seeing that people do have feelings very intensely. We need to be sensitive to that and be able to, because I do think we do not know how to deal with people who are going through emotional issues. We don't want to deal with that. It's messy. It's complicated. But at the same token, I mean, how are we supposed to coexist? I don't know. I, I, I do feel that there are several layers to it. And yes, like I am a Christian. I, I do believe that I want to give people that because that's where we would put our hope. Um, and that's what we would want to give to people. But that also doesn't work for everybody. And so there needs to be multiple layers of what we can do and multiple options of where we can put that for our young men. I, I don't know. I wish it was one of those things of like, oh, it's a quick, easy fix. But do you know how long that would even take if everyone was on board to do that? Do you know how long mm. that, that would possibly take if people said, yep, you're right. Let's start caring about people emotionally and and take rage seriously and report if we see something really sketchy online of someone spewing pure hatred and anger and not be afraid and look the other way. Let's let's start taking rage seriously. Like, my gosh, it would still be another 10, 20 years before I think we would actually see an impact on that. But I'm also probably being very negative this episode, so. 
I don't know. I don't know if that's being negative. I think when you're talking about large scale systemic change, it takes mm-hmm. time. Like you're saying, none of this is going to be a quick, easy fix. And there's definitely things that need to be addressed on a, a national scale. I'm also a very firm believer that there's lots of little actions that can be taken. I had a, my my social media post was talking about how people who are complaining about thoughts and prayers without doing anything to take down white supremacy are basically the new people posting about thoughts and prayers. Like I think they're not doing anything. And I I do believe that white supremacy is a huge issue for this and for many things in our life. And that's, you know, part of the reason why I'm here mm-hmm. right now. But I think there's lots of things people can do to start to take down white supremacy. And so my response for things, tangible things that people can do is one, I think everyone should be making more of an effort to lift up people of color in their lives. So just in anything that they're doing, right? Like we need to be making people of color more visible in a positive way to everyone. So I think this is something that both people of color and white folk can do and to just, you know, promote people, help people, get them out there doing amazing things. That's one way to start combating white supremacy, I think. The other thing that I think people can be doing more of, and I'm sure this has been said, and I'm sure white folks who are listening, if you're still <laughs> listening, have been told this, have been told this before, but I'm going to keep saying it, is just like, as white people, you have power that we don't have. <laughs> and so, you need to use it. And I think one simple, easy way to do it is to call out other white people on their shit, Mm. no matter how innocuous it seems. It might seem very minor when somebody like says some sort of microaggressive racist bullshit to just let it slide in the moment because you don't want to start something. I'm going to say you don't have that pass anymore. Mm -hmm. Like you need to call out shit every single time consistently. Mm Like, you don't have to be a dick about it, but you got to call it out. Mm -hmm. You just got to point it out. Like, that's all you have to do. Start there. Start by doing that. Every time you let one of those little things slide, you are essentially saying that white supremacy is You know, and it's one of those things where you think that you don't want to come off as being too PC or Mm. too sensitive or... Do you know all those other things that you're being afraid to be labeled? Let me tell you, you you got to get over that. What you're saying is that you value not being uncomfortable mm-hmm. more than you value me as a person. Like you being called, like yeah, you being called, oh, oversensitive is far worse than this racism to continue. Like that idea. Well, I don't think that person is a racist person. I hear that. I'm like, I don't think they are a racist person. Just what they're saying is racist. Okay, cool. Or what they're saying. Then yeah. point it Do you out. Know what I mean, like, I, I don't understand how they're like, they're not a racist. Just what they're saying is racist. I'm like, that's not an apple tree. It just happens to bear fruit of apples. What? I don't understand. I don't. I'm, I, 
I'm just angry this whole episode. You're just going to have to like be the the voice of reason this time, Danny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like you have to call out people on the racist shit. Okay. You're saying they're not a racist. They're just saying something racist. Then they would want to know. Mm. They would want to know that they're saying something Mm. inappropriate. Like if you truly believe that they're not racist, then throw them a bone and let them know that they're saying something that's not appropriate and maybe they'll get mad in the moment maybe they won't but in the long run they would appreciate it i would imagine if they're truly not racist this is i hope he's okay with it i should have asked um so so my husband <laughs> I something husband that i do with him, that we don't ask about i know my my they poor knew what husband they were getting into. yeah but something that like he is surprisingly receptive to um it's like whenever he does some like fucking patriarchal bullshit i call him out on it (laughs) like and pretty pretty relentlessly and pretty ruthlessly and perhaps i should be more diplomatic and nice about it but i'm not because i know ultimately that's not who he Mm. is it's like it's something that's like left over from growing up in the system that he does it without thinking about it. And so I just very like swiftly like point it out and then let him, you know, deal with it. And then more often than not, it leads to a conversation we have later. And like he's like, I was not aware that, that I was doing that. I don't think it hurts his feelings. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's hard to grapple with that, like you're doing things that you're not aware that you're doing. But ultimately, he always seems grateful that I've pointed mm. these things well, out. That's because you all have that relationship, and I think that that's what happens when you actually have meaningful, you know, relationships with people who are not white. Like if when, if you're a white person and you actually have friends or a closer circle, a relationship with, you be able, you can actually have those kind of conversations that can be very open. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's the, the benefit. But I think for people who don't quite know, or white people who don't have that, that the tenacity that maybe Danny has to be as relentless, like, you can do that. You can pull that person to the side. You can send them that message, been like, hey, I'm just letting you know, I, I don't think you're a racist or I'm not quite sure you're aware, but what you were saying or what your actions are doing is actually, um, can be actually quite damaging. And I want to do that because I care about you or, you know, I think this is something we can work together. Like, I want you to call me out as well. Like lifting each other up in that way instead of looking at it and talking about it as a way to, you know, tear them down. And I, I know uh, beforehand mm. I've been asked, like, how do you do that without making that person angry? I'm like, that's, literally how they're going to respond is not your problem but how you present it is something that you can kind of continue to work on and the more you do it the more like like i know it's going to sound weird the better you get at it of it just kind of being like once again working on those reflexes of like hey man you know that that's not okay until you start getting that bravery to kind of call it out in that moment and be quite confident in that yeah Certainly. I say it's easy. Maybe it's not that easy. I but think a lot of people struggle with that. that. I think even people of color struggle with it. I mean, I, I would yeah. say I'm very guilty is something that I've only probably been quite confident in doing probably in the last four years of calling it out myself, in a, especially in a group setting. If I hear someone that says something sexist 
or racist. I'm kind of one of those things of like, oh, uh, like, because I'm outnumbered. Most of the time in my life, I am outnumbered. Exactly. And I feel like that's why people of color, like, can't be expected to always do Mm -hmm. it. Right? Like, it's harder. But, like, white people, like, what do you have to lose? You're not being outnumbered. Uh (laughs) You know, just fucking do it. And if it's somebody you don't know, even better. Uh You're really going to care more about this person you don't know's feelings than you are about systemic white supremacy. Give me a break. I'm sorry. Uh Maybe this is harsh, but give me a break. We are being harsh because the times call for it. And I, and I think if anyone's kind of listening, if they haven't listened to our podcast before or our tone or what we're here for, and this is your first introduction, welcome. But people are dying. And we are becoming callous to this. And we're in danger. So the tone needs to be that way. It is. It's, it's a dark town. And I think this week we're going to skip our, our happy places. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think since we've also been, at least for me, I've been pretty much angry the entire time. I don't think we need to get mad at the internet. I have no, to, no, yeah. we don't need to get no. mad at the internet. We really don't. I've, I've got a child. I have. To I mean, watch this that episode was kind of us getting mad at the internet already. <laughs> we're mad at the world. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think we're gonna skip both of those and just kind of. We really want to leave people with a mindfulness and feeling like they have at least a direction to go with these, these feelings. Mm. Um, d- does that make sense? Like, so what, what do you do? We, I think we always like to leave our, our podcast in, in our opinions of what to do or where to go next. Um, we've talked about it before again, like on a bigger scale of how important voting mm. is, how yes. important talking to your representatives are. Um, some people find it to be very helpful in, in protesting and, and, lo- and local rallies, donating your time and also your money to organizations you feel are going to be going towards that. Um, things that are going to be prom- promoting mental health. Those are things that are going to be um, uh, addressing gun control issues and also just kind of being a little bit of boldness when it comes to talking about race issues today in our political climate. Ask the hard questions. and really put your power to good use. And that's everybody because we've talked about it before. Everyone in some shape or form has privilege. Yeah. And I think we all need to find what our privilege is and use it. it. It's time now. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think your, your suggestion of voting of course is very important. Um, something when, I was in tears talking about this to, uh, mm-hmm. with my husband was, you know, he's like, we need to find the candidates that we support and like mm-hmm. put put more effort behind them than just voting for them. Right. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me because I feel so jaded with the whole system. Like I definitely still Girl. go vote, but it's it's very hard for me to like get behind somebody in that way. But I think it's a great suggestion if i could bring myself to do it <laughs> no no I'm just being honest you. no 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 i appreciate your transparency because i'm not gonna lie i also do i'm like what is the point but i think what you're feeling is the way a lot of other people felt like 
hey, no, I bought into the system. I drove people to polling. I got the sticker. I, you know, I've been paying attention to, you know what I mean? All my local elections, not just the big ones. Like, and look, still, I still feel like my voice is not being heard. Like, you, you can't give up. And we have to encourage each other. And like you said, to do, to put more out there, to really back the candidate, to put up the issues, to put why you're backing them up and, you know, and having more conversations. And canvas yeah. for people, donate. There's lots of things you can do. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not going to, I have to be honest, I'm not looking forward to the next political season just because it is, it's a rough, it's a rough go. America, we're not our best during a presidential election. But we can be. Yeah. We really and, but can but be. also remember that the presidential election is not the next election. Well, like, I guess that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean different. we have we have more than a year before that mm-hmm. happens. So like there's there's still other work to be done on local mm-hmm. levels. And that's just as important, if not more important, than national politics. Thank you, Danny, for just what you what you bring and I hope you stay safe (laughs) and like I'm being I'm being so dead serious like I love you to bits and for other people just being out there and and stay safe and have conversations talk about our feelings it's okay to not feel safe it's okay to cry for everyone it's okay to be frustrated and be feeling kind of very vulnerable right now and I encourage everyone to find someone they feel comfortable with and talk that through yes and, you know, just love people. Be nice. <laughs> Be freaking human. Put fucking kindness out into the world. I think it goes a long way. <laughs> Girl, I just, seriously, I do. We say it's, in our, it's a saying in our house. I'm like, just, just be human. Come on. Just be human to one another. All right? Yeah. So be human. Take care of each other. I don't feel comfortable doing all of our promoting bits right no, now. No, I don't. It's not. But, it's, uh, yeah, you should. If you want to re- how about if you want to respond, I'm sure a lot of people will have feelings about this. Please get a hold of us on all our, our social media outlets. Um, uh, probably their best way is either through our Instagram at biracial unicorns or through our Gmail um, at biracial unicorns at gmail.com. Um, we'll always thank our artists that support us, Deli Pop Art and also Joseph Scott. A citizens of tape city if you want more information you can always find that in our social media outlets but um yeah and in the show notes yeah it'll be there as well mm-hmm. but yeah stay safe out there y'all Please. and love each other be human mm-hmm. all right we'll be back next week with something more lighthearted, and we will be back in two weeks with the episode we had planned to release this week <laughs> so uh take it easy y'all peace out